Welcome to the search for real answers in a modern world, where challenging topics are met with honest and thoughtful dialogue. This is Truth Seekers Forum. Welcome back to Truth Seekers Forum. I am your host, Devin Kleffer, and joining me today is Pastor Andy Lewis of Faith Community Church in Santa Cruz. Welcome, Andy. Hey, good to be here. In this episode, we're going to be exploring some random questions from some of our podcast listeners. These are questions all over the board. We're not going to be focusing on any one particular topic. Yeah, I heard you at the beginning saying random questions. Random so It's even more questions. random than normal. More than normal. Good. Well, so, what's another random thing is that Adam, my wing wingman, is not here right, today. Right, flying so, solo today. I know. I'm like, and I'm not. I don't classify myself as a theologian. Oh, although man. I preach, so I guess I have to be partly that too. Partly that. Yeah. Well, we'll see how you do. Okay. All right. Question number one: When it comes to disciplining kids in today's world, right? We've gone from growing up in the '60s and '70s where spanking was part of the process. I even remember a certain wooden cooking spoon in my past, Yeah. Um, to a kinder, gentler society. Yeah. Where everyone gets a trophy. Right. <laughs> very few get timeouts. Yeah. And so on and so forth. So from a biblical standpoint, is there a right way to discipline a kid? Oh my gosh, that is random. Is that coming from somebody in New Jersey who sent that email in or? Yes, this is from a New Jersey listener, Melody. No, you know, it's funny. It's actually a really good good question because as a pastor, I think increasingly I'm seeing that as, a, as an issue, yeah. you know, um, where particularly what now we're classifying as the millennials uh, are, I think, wrestling through the realities of like, well, how do I parent, right. you know, particularly now, too, with all the added aspects of social media and smartphones where yeah. I mean, literally in their pocket – they're carrying a little movie screen right. that they can distract their kid or keep their kid from screaming at right, them and right. all those kinds of things. So, But I would say the question was a biblical model approach right. or whatever. And I would say there is this, and that is some of the stuff that Adam and I have already talked about, about the triunified Godhead, mm -hmm. that we understand that God, the Father, is a Father, and it's that God has picked that. Right. So the question then would be, well, what does the Bible describe as God the Father's fatherhood towards humanity? Mm -hmm. And there's some things that we definitely see in Scripture. We see that there's two components to his fatherliness towards us, how mm -hmm. he behaves towards us. One of them is, is that God is... Um, well, actually, one of the great descriptors is, is, is in the book of John, chapter 1. John, who's a dear friend of Jesus, mm -hmm. describes them, and we says, We have behold the glory of God. We've seen him in Jesus, full of grace and truth. Right. Well, that's interesting, that phrase, grace and truth, because mm -hmm. actually that's a great descriptor of how God the Father fathers. Um, he has provided an atmosphere that is rich in both. Mm -hmm. You need both in order to survive or and to thrive. You need grace where you will be where your mistakes are not fatal. Failure isn't fatal. Yeah. There will be forgiveness. There will yeah. be the ability to reconcile and restore. But at the same time, there's I hate to say the word but, and at the same time, there's truth. Mm -hmm. Meaning it's not just sort of this codependent, you know, oh, they're there. 
what a wonderful mistake that you made. You just killed somebody, you know, or that's extreme, <laughs> right. Right? right? Right. Yes. But let's hope. But but that's the atmosphere that God creates. And I know my wife, who's a marriage family therapist, says that um, growth takes place at the intersection of support and challenge. Hmm. Um, and that's something we need to take take into account as parents. Well, interesting. Support, that's grace. Challenge, that's truth. Yeah. And so you see this sort of biblical model in God the Father's reparenting of a believer. Really, that's what you're talking about through the gospel is, is that the good news is that we couldn't earn this, but God has gifted to us being brought into an environment of support and challenge, okay. grace and truth. And in that, we become whole. We become like Christ. And um, and what that means is in God's family is I will be loved just the way I am. Mm-hmm. That's grace. And I will be loved so much, I will not be left the way I am. Right. And so that's kind of uh, the overview of how God treats us. And then that kind of, we that gives us a way to kind of then pivot towards our horizontal relationship for those of us who are parents with our kids. Okay. And so with that in mind, how do we guard against, because finding that intersection obviously is the goal, right. right? And yet at the same time, a lot of, a lot of us as parents now do a lot of our parenting based on the models in which we grew up in, right? right? That's kind of our default. Right. Or we react against it. Right. Sure. And so how do we make sure that we're not swaying to either side of the road on that. How do, how do we make sure that we're not being too gracious, maybe because we were raised in a super militant or super legalistic background, right. or how do we make sure that we're not enabling either? Right. Well, I think the first thing that's really important for every parent to do, you go into parenting and you, you're just like, I've never done this before. Right. And so little do you know, unless you're really awake enough, you have influences. So I think Practically, it's really important for parents to stop and go, wait a minute, what have been my influences? Mm. I think in most people, there has been influences that have been hurtful influences. Um, grew up in an alcoholic home. Right. Um, you grew up in a you know violent home or yeah. emotionally hurtful home. Right. So there's hurtful influences. And they yeah. become these influences where you become, I will never, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And if you're not way aware of it, it influences how you parent. I will never. There are right. the um, there are the helpful influences in your life. There are things like, uh, you know, when we when we were growing up, my mom and dad always had we always had dinner together every night, mm. and we'd talk about life together. And you're like, oh, these these are the the influences that um, you're like, I would I really want to have that. Yeah. Dot dot dot. Right. In right. my home. And sometimes the helpful influences can be things you did you saw from afar, or maybe you visited somebody else's home or whatever. Yeah. Both the helpful and the hurtful influences are things that I think most of us have actually experienced mm-hmm. in some way. Right. There's, I think, a third component, and that are the theoretical influences, mm-hmm. particularly today with social media. Right. Which is where you, you know, you watch uh, this, you read a book about parenting, and so yeah. you go, I, 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 I like this part of, I right. want to do this this way. You don't have any experience with it, yeah. good or bad. But it's an influence. It's helpful to kind of recognize those influences because it kind of helps you kind of come awake to the ways in which you're more reacting rather than acting as a parent. Yeah. 
But then I think finally, going back to the first question, which is, is like, well, where's the model in scripture, is understand that all those influences, helpful, hurtful, theoretical, they get trumped by what I believe is the ultimate influence, which is how God the Father reparents. Hmm. And then you go, okay, so then your question goes down to ultimately my parenting bows towards this environment, building an environment of grace and truth, yeah. an intersection of both challenge and support. Yeah. What does that look like? I think some of the specifics are creating an environment where it's okay to work through emotions. I think so mm. much about the grace is we as parents are mostly focused on behavior. A five-year-old smacks his sister, right? right? And then we focus on don't hit your sister, mm. which is right. But we don't spend the time like talking about the emotions that mm -hmm. led to that. Like, well, she took away my toy. And then helping them navigate through the emotions of that, right. both teaching how to get in touch with those emotions, yeah. speak to them, right. own them, and then work through how do we handle our emotions in a way that's either appropriate mm -hmm. versus inappropriate. Yeah. So I think, I think practically in a home, it's helping kids have appropriate emotions. Now, the one of the big concerns that I have in this day and age is, like I said, about you know smartphones and distracting kids with... Yeah entertainment and technology or right. silencing kids are screaming in the, the store and then you go, okay, fine, I'll buy it for you anyway. Well, what you're doing is you're basically teaching them, you're teaching your kid how to treat you right. when you yeah. do that. Yeah. Yelling equals I get something. I get something, yeah. right? You know? So I think, you know, to create to an environment, a culture of grace in the home is, is a lot about learning emotional coaching. Mm -hmm. Now, here's part of the challenge. A lot of us didn't have it when we were growing up. Right, right. So we have to become learners of our own emotions right. <laughs> to help our kids navigate and speak to it and own and recognize their emotions. But then I think the truth part of it is is actually having good, you know, teaching good boundaries. Boundaries with the kids about what is appropriate behavior, what is inappropriate behavior, what is yeah. acceptable. And then but then also working with them towards creating plans about okay, what are the consequences? Hmm. I think w the thing that you see going back to your original question about right. biblical, the way God teaches us is through consequences. Hmm. Um, he He allows us to bumble and stumble and right. there's rich learning environment. Yes, there often is. In, in that. And he comes to our aid. He cries. He sits and listens to us as we cry when we make mistakes and mm -hmm. we fail. But we do deal with the consequences because consequences actually teach us a lot. They mm -hmm. actually discipline us. Right. And so as parents, you know, we've got to do that. You know, before we even had this recording, we there was a conversation we were having about parents who kind of swoop in when it comes to school. Right. And right. they don't, they, they're constantly protecting their child from the consequences when one of the best things they can do is let the kid twizzle in the consequences right. exactly. and they might actually learn something. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> Preach it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think those are the things that, that I see as a pastor. Um, and I definitely see, I think in this millennial, the millennial generation, I'm a bummer. I am a boomer and a buster yeah. born in like 1964. So I'm like right in that zone between the boomer generation and the buster, the Gen Xer generation. Yeah. When the pendulum was swinging in the boomer generation from kids are seen and not heard, and right. it was kind of starting to swing. And now we're in this generation of every child is, to, is just the glory of a child. Yeah. And 
they poop rainbows. Yes. And so we never question the glory of child. Right. Wrong, because it swung the other way. Yeah. yeah. And so we have to really be in this, this place of, yeah, creating a, a home of grace and truth, challenge and support. Yeah. Great. That makes sense. All right. Let's go on to our next question then. Another random question. Another random question. Now, this is going to come from Jerry in Modesto. And Jerry I love Modesto. Wanna, Jerry. Right. Jerry wants to know, um, you know, we're coming up on the holidays and that's often the time that a lot of nonprofits are asking for donations. And he wants to know when it comes to donating to non-Christian organizations. Yeah. Is that a good thing or not? Because he's under the impression that, you know, everyone can donate to any non-Christian organization, but typically only Christians are going to donate to Christian organizations. So should he be spending his money on something that's a non-Christian entity? It's an interesting question. It's funny because this is similar to questions we've had going back, like, is there a Christian way to vote? Right, right. right. So let's go back to, in answering this question, Mm -hmm. is Christian an adjective? Hmm. Um, and for any of you who are like, what? I, did, I was not good at grammar <laughs> and I wasn't very, either, very, very good at it either. Um, but, you know, is, is Christian like this adjective that is sort of just descriptive of mm. a thing? Or is Christian um, indicative of an identity? Right. Christian is indicative of an identity of somebody who has said, Jesus Christ uh, is my Lord and my Savior. Savior meaning that he is the one that I believe and trust has rescued me from the consequences of sin mm. and separation from God for eternity. And he is the Lord of my life, which isn't just a bunch of church speak. It means that mm. he is He is the master and the commander of my life. I may struggle with him, but in the end, he gets say mm. and sway yeah. in my life. That's more than just an adjective. Yeah. Like, um, um, how would you just like a bl- a, a bluish sky, you know, uh, right. or a, um, a a a bright sunset. Hmm. Um, it, it, it it to be a Christian is our identity. Okay. So to get to the question, the holidays and lots of ways in which one could be generous. I think we are asked to think as as participants of a kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that kingdom intersects and touches all things. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not there's we aren't just limited to just Christian organizations. Yeah. There are organizations that deal with justice that are they're not they're not they're not Christian organizations by any means. And yet mm. they they are connected with the bigger picture of God's heart for justice mm. in the world. And so if you feel compelled to to participate in that, you know, it says in scriptures like we give um, God loves a cheerful giver. We mm. give out of the generosity of our hearts. And uh, yeah, by all means, give to your local church. But I'll tell you this, let's be honest. I mean, there are local churches and mission agencies that are doing a worse job with mm. being good stewards and being ethical with their money Yeah. as there are non-Christian, non-profs, 501c3s that are doing a better job being integrous with the vision of what they're doing right. that actually is connected to the kingdom of God, mm. God's heart for the poor, God's yeah. heart for the oppressed, God's heart for injustice. Yeah. So I think my encouragement is to think in terms of 
first of all, it's not an adjective. Hmm. It's it's like this this is what your identity is, and you're as as an identity, you're you're a participant in this wider kingdom right. that reaches into everything, and so you can freely give to those things that definitely connect to. You know the heart of God. Like here's a, here's a, a an example that might shock some people. Let's say um, you have a heart for how difficult it is for people in the LGBT community suffering mm-hmm. from AIDS. Yeah, God has a heart for people who right. are suffering right. from f- uh, physical illness that, for in in some cases, is killing people. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong. I'm doing air quotes as I say yeah. this. It's not wrong as a Christian to give to an organization that's supportive of other things that you may not be in agreement mm-hmm. with, but but you do agree with the vast proportion of what they're doing is to support people maybe in Africa with AIDS because right. that's a part of their mission. Right, right. So that's not wrong. Right. You you have to kind of wrestle with how much you like the rest of the money's being used for other sure. things, but that's just using it as an illustration. So let me actually build on that a little bit, and let's look at the the flip side of that. Instead of writing a check to help a nonprofit or another organization out, what about when it comes to investing? When when someone's looking to invest or diversify their portfolio, to what extent should he or she be looking at the companies that he or she is investing in as far as their track record, whether it's humanitarian or whatever else? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So like you're... You actually have <laughs> some sense of fiscal uh, soundness at your home. Yeah, so which is, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and so you're thinking about you know your four hundred three bs, right? Your retirement, right. or whatever. So I know this stock IRAs. and this company mm-hmm. could could really benefit my portfolio. Right. I also know that one of the reasons that the shareholders are loving this company is because they barely pay their overseas workers right, right. scratch. Yeah, yeah. So to what extent should that impact my investing in a particular company? I think having a kingdom heart, it it, it, it does need to. Hmm. You know, that uh, as Christians, again, not as an adjective, but as our identity, mm-hmm. we're, we're children, we're daughters and sons and daughters of the Most High God who has a heart for the people being in this world who are being clobbered. Hmm. And uh, he has a heart for everyone, I think, but he has a particular compassion for those who are being clobbered. Hmm. And there is systemic injustice that does play itself out in the stock market and in investments and things like that. And so it's very easy in a consumptive society. And come on, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, consumption is the religion of the West. We talk talk about we're we're not we're, you know, we're a uh, non-spiritualized, secularized society. Sure. Okay, we are worshipers of our consumption. Right. So how we can develop revenue in order to buy, right? You know, whatever, whatever we want to buy, <laughs> right? So in bulk. And, and, and I and I say that out of you know it sounds I sound I I can sound so like I'm Moses up on you know the big mountain right. as the big prophet. I struggle with it because I'm sure. part of that culture too. Sure. And because of that, all of us can find it, Christian or not can find ourselves going, well, you know, I'll just kind of turn a blind eye. But I do think, and by the way, this is, I think, where this is where having a kingdom mindset is good. I have actually been personally more informed by non-believers who have a God's heart. Hmm. They don't follow Jesus, but they yeah. have a better sense of God's heart for justice hmm. and how 
how I buy, how right. I consume right. goods. Right. I mean, you know, just as an example, in our home, we go to the Bargain Barn, which mm. is a place here in our city where it's the pre-spot before it goes to Goodwill. Yeah. And stuff is like in mounds. Yeah. Um, because there's so much stuff that just gets thrown away right. by going to your local Marshalls, Costco, Sears, right. Macy's, whatever, right. Right. that is not being manufactured justly. There are people who are slave wages. So this actually gets into a bigger picture, not just in the diversification of portfolio, but how yeah. do we consume with a mind to how it affects, yeah. how it definitely affects the world. And then you can go crazy with it, but my point was, I've actually, and my wife and I have been more, have been informed back to the scriptures hmm. through non-believers wow. who are like, you, wait a minute, you have a better handle on this about justice and how we consume. Hmm. And it brings me back to the scriptures to go, wait a minute, they have a better handle on this too. And I, I've learned back from them about hmm. God, the father's heart for yeah. these issues. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff. Let's take one more uh, before we land the plane today. And this is also going to kind of track with the upcoming holidays and when it comes to surviving the holidays with a room full of family who are not believers, what are some tips for actually showing grace and maybe mercy in the face of others who may not be doing the same? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, regardless of faith, you know, um, a great philosopher named Tim the Toolman Taylor yes. from an old TV show, Home Improvement. <laughs> once said to his sons, he says, uh, Christmas isn't about being around the people you want to be with. It's about being around your family. <laughs> you know? uh, that's so true. So, um, I mean, all, all people gonna, you know, are going to be dealing with, you know, potentially awkward, uncomfortable, or, you know, weird Uncle Hal or yeah, whatever. Right. But I, but yeah, there's definitely, and, and, you know, it's funny too, when you think about it, we can also approach it from the perspective of the unbelieving person mm. with you as the believer yes. coming into the picture yes. going, oh, What? Does that God. happen? What? Yeah. I mean, and that's the first time they pray. They say, oh, dear God, because the Christians <laughs> coming to, the, you know, the holiday table. In fact, you know, we have some neighbors, our kids play baseball together, and he shared with me some hysteria. <laughs> stories. Um, they're both just the sweetest people and probably would identify themselves as atheist or agnostic. Yeah, yeah. And has a, a cousin who is a apparently a renowned, I don't know, but I don't pay attention to this stuff, a, a renowned uh, Christian novella author wow. of, of Christian fictional novels and yeah. even has like a bus with her picture on the side of it. Wow. He's shown me photos. <laughs> I know. The stuff we Christians There's hope for do. You. I know, I know. <laughs> the stuff we Christians do is mad hysterical oh, at goodness. times. But, you know, they talk about how it's like, ah, what do I do? And, you know. Yeah. Um, but you've asked the question from the perspective of a Christian. And, I, I mean, I think we just go – the first thing that came to my mind as you were asking the question was it's, it's important not to be interesting. It's important to be interested. Hmm. You know, be interested in their lives and and ask them questions. And I think some people, as a pastor, I've had people like, "Oh, I blew it. I didn't. I didn't share the mm. good news." And I was praying, you know, and, yeah. and a lot of eagerness. Like I was praying for an opportunity. Yeah. And if it doesn't open up, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. First and foremost, the most important thing we can be doing for our loved ones. We're not going to convict them of anything hmm. or convince them that right. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. There's no way. We right. won't. 
God takes that upon himself mm. and he and his Holy Spirit takes that seriously, whether mm. we see it or not. So yeah. I think that's the first and foremost thing as we enter into these holidays is continue to be prayerful for people mm. we love and want them to know the Lord and yeah. say, God, hey, if there's an opening for me, I'll speak to it. Mm. But beyond that, just be present, be normal. <laughs> You know, right? be normal, there's just a, be yeah, interested and ask them, like, how's their job and what's going on? Because that's an expression of, of genuine love. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up this episode of Truth Seekers Forum. Thanks again for joining us. And you can find Truth Seekers Forum on the iTunes store. And feel free to check out Faith Community Church's site also at santacruzfaith.org.